Hey, Merry Christmas, my friends, and welcome to Incognito. Together we are studying the reality that when God came to planet Earth, he came in disguise. You know, I've been trying to figure out a way that I could experience the dynamic of being incognito. Came up with an idea. Here's how it worked. I contacted the headquarters of the Evangelical Free Church of America, our denomination, and they were in on it. They said, sure, we'll email your campus pastors. We'll invite them to be a part of an educational video whereby they instruct everybody how to be a campus pastor. (laughs) Oh, it was great. All four of them took their role so seriously when the whole thing was a joke. Watch this. you're all campuses how different you are yes. every every campus is unique yes and you know, he's gonna get you all set up <sighs> the multi-site strategy is effective all right okay so uh first question is how long have you been so I would say a couple things. Uh, the campus has, I think, a good location that makes it kind of unique. Well, and well I got a I got a sound problem with you, Jim. Okay. Your mic. Okay. I was looking. Oh. That's 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 great. Yeah. I'm sorry. Great. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not feeling good. Yeah. I'm a little dizzy. I'm sorry. Yeah. No problem. All right, let's do it. Whoa! Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, I'm okay. I'm a little, I don't feel great. It's my back. Well, yeah, I'm getting thrown off here. Why don't we start over again here? All right, all right the original question was, what is unique about Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not feeling real good. Um, Reverend or yes. pastor, what, what yep. do you prefer? Uh, Daryl. Daryl. That'll work. No. My mom taught me to treat <laughs> pastors with respect. All right, well, we'll go pastor then. Could you sit up? Yes, I sure can. More? There you go. Yep. Nice. Can I ask you to keep your legs to this side just a bit? Keep my legs over here? Just like that. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, what can we do to make this work for you? I, I need you to project. To You're looking very casual. Is that normal for a pastor? I mean, your shirt's untucked, jeans. I'm not saying I'm fine with it. If you're fine with it, are you? Is that normal? Yeah. All right. I mean, maybe it's. Uh, I'm having a little bit of a glare off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand. I got the same thing going. Yeah. Yeah. It's my back. You doing all right? I got a back. You want to take a little break? No, I just. Oh, oh my goodness! This you back. Good? I'll be fine. I just need to stretch it. Could you grab my foot? Nice to meet you. I'm Jeff Griffin. I know you. <laughs> are we going to start for real or is this all fake? It's all fake. <laughs> so, so you drug me away from my Cowboys game for this? 
Hi there. How you doing? You're killing me. this. I Hello. shaved my head for this gig. Are you kidding? Me? I'm serious. Pull it back. I got a cramp. Can you recognize people in disguise? Yes, it's. Uh, I'm pretty good. It takes me a little bit. To... Well, who do you think I am, Mr. Jab? Hey, <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny, Mark. So we got we got about ten people back in the booth watching this. Oh, here too, that so. is hilarious. Okay, so I take it there's no EFCA video. Nope. <laughs> All a lie. Apologize for our level oh, of deception, man. huh? Well, man. <laughs> you know our. All, all applause to the campus pastors who were such good sports. There we pull a gag on them, laugh at their expense, and uh, still love me, right, Daryl? That's very good. Hey, Merry Christmas to all of you. I am so delighted that you're here, and I'll tell you, I'm praying that this Christmas service brings joy and inspiration. I'm praying that your whole Christmas season for you and your families is one that is just absolutely rich. And I hope that this concept of incognito becomes really meaningful to you. Because yes, Christmas is God's arrival incognito. I'll show you a verse. John chapter 1 verse 10 simply states, He came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Isn't that a fascinating thought? That he came into the very world he created... The creator came to visit his creation, and they didn't recognize him. Now, some did. There were a few who realized Jesus was who he was, but the vast majority were oblivious to whose presence they were in. Now, the reason they didn't recognize him is because Jesus chose to become a human being, to wrap himself in human flesh, if you will, to be one of us in disguise. And do you ever think he could have come other ways? He could have come in a more obvious way. He had a choice, and he made a choice to come as he did. The choice that Jesus had to make as far as how to come, I, I felt it symbolically on display at Bass Pro Shop this week. I, I went shopping for my brother Dave, who's a fisherman, and so I was looking for some fishing stuff for him. And uh, at Bass Pro Shop, I wandered through the hunting section, do you, do you have any idea how much clothing they sell for hunters? I mean, they got coats and vests and shirts and pants and gloves and hats. And all of it is in one of two colors. Two colors, that's all you can buy. In fact, I, I bought two hats just to illustrate the point. Here are the two colors. There's what they call camouflage and what they call blaze orange. And it dawned on me how different the objective of these two colors are. I mean, they're opposite objectives. Do you see that? Here, the objective is to blend in so that no beast or person, for that matter, sees you. The objective with Blaze Orange is to make yourself obvious so you don't get shot by another hunter is kind of the goal there. Jesus had a choice. I could come Blaze Orange. Dun, dun, la, look at me. I'm here. I'm God. 
But he chose this instead. And the question is, why? Why did he choose incognito? Well, it's, it's a fascinating question. And what I love is that I found a guy in the Bible who asked that very question. Why didn't you come blaze orange is really the question that he asked. His name is Judas. And his question is found in John chapter 14, verse 22. It says, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. (laughs) Poor guy got stuck with a bummer of a name. See, Judas Iscariot was the arch enemy of Jesus Christ. He was the disciple who became the betrayer, who turned his back on the Savior. And uh, Judas Iscariot is kind of like the worst name ever. Judas, the bad guy who got Jesus crucified. And this other Judas now has to forever say, my name is Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Nice to meet you. So this verse, by the way, is all we know of this Judas. And so all we know about him is that he's got a bad name and a good question. All right, that's it. But his question is good. So let's read it. Judas asked Jesus, Why don't you reveal yourself to the whole world? The word that's translated reveal in this question is the word that's used to have a dramatic unveiling. Why don't you dump the It's me. I'm here. Show yourself in miraculous fashion to the whole world. What he probably had in mind was this dramatic appearance in the sky that is prophesied in the Old Testament. You see, our Old Testament prophets like Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, they all have descriptions of the arrival of the Messiah. And it's blaze orange. Let me read to you one of them. Here's Zechariah 9, 14, prophesying the coming of the Messiah. The Lord will appear in the sky. His arrows will be like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march on the storm clouds. That's blaze orange. And that's what people like Judas thought he was going to come like. Well, here's the confusion, all right? The Old Testament actually prophesies Two advents. You know, the word advent means the arrival or the coming of an important one, namely the Messiah. And when we study the Old Testament carefully, yes, there's the blaze orange advent, but the Old Testament describes another coming. It's not clear in the Old Testament that there are two and that one's the first and the other's the second. That becomes clear in the New Testament, the days of Jesus. But The book of Zechariah, chapter 9, same chapter I just read out of. It's got the other advent in it too. I had read verse 14, now let me go to verse 9. Here's the first advent. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Isn't that great? That's actually the prophecy of uh, the triumphal entry when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And it points to the humility, the humanity. The donkey was not a majestic beast. It was the beast of poor people, common people. And that's how Jesus came. And so what's curious is that as we look at Old Testament prophecy, it says, ah, two advents. One, Christmas, the first coming of Jesus, which was incognito. 
And two, the second advent, the second coming, which will be at the end of the world, which will be the appear in the sky blaze orange. Oh, so I was reading about this one, and this is actually the first one that came. That's helpful, but it still doesn't answer the question. Why, Jesus, in your first advent did you choose to come incognito? Why didn't you do blaze orange, both of them? Again, if you're trying to build a kingdom and recruit citizens of your kingdom, I think the blaze orange, dun-da-da, God in the sky, thundering voice, would recruit more followers. Well, that's a really good question, and that's what Judas was asking. And so let's now turn to Jesus' answer. The question is in verse 22. The answer, verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey me. And my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. At first glance, the answer doesn't seem to be an answer at all. You're like, come on, I, what are you saying? You know? But it is an answer. It takes a little reflection to appreciate it. But once understood, it is beautiful and so helpful in understanding why. Again, what was... Judas's question, he's like, if your objective is to get subjects in your kingdom, people to bow the knee and say, all right, you're my Lord. Judas is saying, why didn't you come blaze orange? I think if you would appear in the sky in thundering voice, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess Jesus as Lord. You would get more obeyers. And he's right. Quantitatively, there'd be more this way. But Jesus is looking for qualitative obeyers, not just quantitative. Here's why I know that. Anyone who loves me will obey me. Are you trying to get people who, do, who bow the knee and pledge to obey you? I am. But this would gain obeyers out of intimidation. I am trying to get obeyers who are motivated by love, not intimidation. Jesus says, look at if, if they saw the heart of God, they would fall in love with me. And out of love, they would enthusiastically obey and said, I will follow you. That's the goal. And that's why he came was he could have come this way. And again, it would have gained more, but it would have been a community of the intimidated and not a community of the lovers. This uh, difference was made evident to me, uh, well, I got a traffic ticket, a speeding ticket to be exact, and the police officer invited me to continue my education at a defensive driving school class. <laughs> Don't look at me that way. I'm not the only one in the room who's been to defensive driving school class. I won't ask for a hand raise, but the thing that stood out to me in this defensive driving class is here you got a whole classroom full of people who have been mandated, you know, that you got to do this because you got in trouble. And the professor, the instructor, was so enthusiastic and excited about his class. He's like, oh, welcome to my defensive driving school class. I am so glad you chose to be a part of it. <laughs> I remember thinking, I didn't say anything, but in my mind I'm thinking, dude, you do know why we're here, right? The only reason we're here is that a very scary man with a uniform and a badge and an angry face and a large gun told us we had to come. That's why we're here. And it's the community of the intimidated. 
And as I looked around the class, as the class went on, the, their lack of desire to be there was evident as people are sleeping and bored and reading their phones, staring at the ceiling. I mean, no one wanted to be there. And that's what heaven would be like if Jesus had taken the blaze orange approach. Yeah, he could have been in the sky, thundering voice, lightning, look at me, bow. And everyone, all right, I'll bow. And we would have had a heaven full of people who have submitted to the lordship, the kingship of Christ. But that's not what he wants. He wants lovers. People who have fallen in love with him and are obeying him out of love. That's the goal of God. And that's why he didn't come blaze orange. But rather, see, the, the, the incarnation is God's heart on display in the person of Jesus. And we fall in love with this Christ and the, the, the heart that's revealed. And then we submit and bow out of love rather than fear. All right. Well, the passage continues. Jesus says, and my father will love them. The objective of Jesus Christ and the reason he came was to establish love relationship where we love him and he showers love on us. It's a two-way affair. He is longing for this friendship to exist between created beings and God Almighty and one that is filled with love, mutual love. Continues, Jesus says, we will come to them. This is an advent language here. Advent, we arrive, we will come to you. Judas had asked, how come you don't come and reveal yourself to the whole world? Jesus says, well, we will come and reveal ourselves, but not in the way you ask. How will you do it? We will come to them. We will make our home with them. The way God reveals himself to us even today is that he makes his home with us. This is relational language. The context of his manifestation or revelation of his reality is in the context of relationship. He says, I want to make my home with you. I want to be your companion through your daily life. And as we share life together, I will reveal myself to you. You will sense my presence. You will hear my voice. And by that, I don't mean audibly. I've never heard God audibly. But many of us know what it's like to sense God nudging your heart or encouraging you. He's speaking to you. As you share life with him, you will find him providing for you, guiding you, encouraging you. God, in so many ways, will manifest his presence to you in a relational context. He's reinforcing the objective that he's pursuing, and that is a love relationship. So he's chosen to manifest himself in that context to reinforce what it's all about, love relationship. In fact, let's say it this way. Christmas is a love story. Really, if you want to get to the heart of Christmas, it's about a God who loves his sinful people and comes for them, and approaches in such a way as to woo and win their heart. He didn't come to intimidate and say, bow! He came in such a sneaky way as so that we would see his heart and fall in love with him. It's all wooing. I love the word wooing. Do you, do you know, even know what wooing means? It's an older term that means to win the affection of another. A very handy skill. Young people master the art of wooing. I had to woo my wife for two years before she would uh, have any feelings for me. Eight years before she married me. A lot of wooing involved in my case. 
The reason it required so much wooing is that I was way out of my league, you know. My wife is stunningly beautiful, I not so much. My wife is just an outgoing, fun personality. I was more quiet and dull. She was popular, I was avoided. I mean, I had no business aspiring that I. But I was smart and I was strategic. And so I thought, I bet where there's a will, there's a way. How could I you know, win that which I have no business winning? Well, let's, let's see. I came up with a wooing strategy that I call the frog in the kettle. You've heard of this parable before. It goes like this. If the frog jumped into a kettle of hot water, it would immediately jump out. But if the water was room temperature and the frog jumped in, and then very gradually you continued to increase the heat, the frog wouldn't even realize what was happening until it was cooked. That's what I did to my wife. How it works is uh, if, if I had taken the hot water approach and just said, Jennifer, I love you, she would have said, eh, and run away from me. As it was, I played a really cool strategic wooing. I would just... Hey, you know, hey, you know, let's, let's just be friends, friends. She's like, I'm cool with that. Let's just be good friends. Cool with that. Let's just be really good friends. You know, see, see the temperature going up? And it went up gradually over two years, and the poor girl never saw it coming. She got cooked, and I won, and she lost. But that's how it is, and uh, <laughs> wooing worked. And so... Wooing must be strategic. You just can't barge into it. You got to do it thoughtfully and carefully. Now, Jesus' wooing at Christmas is not frog and kettle style. If you're looking for a parable that helps us understand this strategic wooing, it best to look to a different parable. I have one for you. Uh, the Danish philosopher theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote a parable called The King and the Humble Maiden. He wrote this parable to illustrate the rationale of the incarnation, Jesus becoming a human. And here's how the parable goes. There was a great king. Everybody adored him. This king was powerful, respected. He got whatever he wanted. Well, what he wanted was the heart of this peasant girl who lived in the village below. She was wonderful, and he had fallen head over heels in love with her, and he dreamed of marrying her. And your first thought is, well, that shouldn't be hard. All he's got to do is march into the village and royal robe and crown and golden chariot and entourage and people waving banners, and he says, I want to marry you. I'm sure she'd say yes. Well, the king knew she'd say yes, and that was precisely the problem. He wasn't interested in just securing her as his wife. He wanted a lover. He wanted someone who would love him. And so he's like, I know if I asked her, but do you love me? She'd give me the right answer and say, yes, I love you, whatever. And he came up with the only solution that he could think of, and that was this, that he was going to have to exchange his royal robes for the garb of a peasant. And he was going to have to say goodbye to the palace on the hill and descend down to the village in the valley and rent a room and become a citizen of that village. Get a job. Live among them where he'd rub shoulders and bump into this gal. And hopefully through meeting in that way, she would fall in love with his heart and marry him not out of being intimidated by his position, but in love with his person. See what Sergeant Kierkegaard was saying? He's saying, that's Christmas. 
That's the wooing strategy of Almighty God. He could have come in all majesty and said, bow, and accomplished quantitatively everybody saying, okay, okay, okay. But that's not what he wants. Christmas is a love story. He wants love. And so he came thoughtfully, strategically, as one of us. And in the person of Jesus, we see the heart of God on display. And so many of us have fallen in love with him. Folks, it's all, it's all about love. Now, you may have known that the cross was a love story. You know, the cross, Jesus died on the cross for us. The cross is essentially Jesus saying, I love you so much that I would do anything to be with you. In fact, I would die to be with you. In fact, he did die. Paid the penalty, the, the death penalty for our sins so that we could be with him. It's all, the cross is all love, but I'm here to tell you, Christmas too is a love story about a God who came to be with us and who came very strategically so as to woo your heart. God is trying to woo your affection. Folks, that's reason for celebration. You know, why do we celebrate Christmas? Again, you know, it's not the presents. The good news that involves celebration is that he loves us. When you discover that you're loved, Nothing makes the heart want to rejoice and celebrate more. I remember when I discovered Jen liked me. After two years of wooing, this was good news. It happened, wouldn't you know, on Christmas break, 1984, a long time ago. In the evening, I got a phone call. Many of you young people don't even know what phones looked like back in 1984. Well, let me show you. This is a phone. No kidding. I'm that old. Anyway, so uh, my bride, Jen, had never called me ever. She was old school, believe the girls don't call the guys. But on this particular night, it was snowing. A horrific snowstorm, in fact. We had been out with a group of friends, and I had dropped Jen off, and I had dropped off the friends. And I was driving a 79 Trans Am in about a foot of freshly fallen snow, slipping all over the place. And the phone rang, and I answered it, and I'm like, hello? Jennifer. She said, I just wanted to make sure you got home safely. Oh, I did get home safely. I go, were you worried about me? And she goes, yeah, I was worried about you. I'm like, hmm, that's nice. And she said, uh, she said, Jeff, I also wanted to tell you that I had a wonderful time tonight with you. I had a wonderful time with you, too. It was an awkward conversation. <laughs> but by the time it ended, she had revealed her affection for me, and I had revealed my affection for her. I've been working for two years towards this goal. And folks, my mom was like, is everything okay? I'm like biting my lip because I want to scream. I'm like, he likes me. See, you should get excited when you find out that you're loved. Christmas is a woo story. He likes you. In Christmas, he's revealed his affection for you. He came for you to woo you. And when you see that, you should want to scream and celebrate. In fact, I discovered that the word Noel means a shout of joy at Christmas for the birth of the Savior. Isn't that incredible? Uh, 
Noel is French and it means Christmas, but the way it was used is a shout of joy at Christmas. Noel is, yes, he loves me. I mean, if you're going to sing Noel, you shouldn't sing it softly. You should sing it with your whole heart. Folks, let's celebrate. The God of the universe adores you. There's a word that is haunting me. I haven't, uh, I haven't shared this, pointed this word out yet, but let me do it now. Anyone, remember this word? Anyone who will love me and obey me. The Father will love them, will come to them, will make our home with them. Anyone. You know, Judas was right that the Lord does want to reveal himself to the whole world. At least he throws the doors open to the whole world. He longs for the whole world. He longs for you, anyone. He still says that this Christmas. In fact, he's looking at you, anyone, you. He's calling you by name. Will you love me? Folks, uh, it's, it's like a phone call. You know, and then that phone call, uh, you know, Jen conveyed her affection and I had to respond and convey mine. Well, God's calling and he's conveyed his affection for you. Christmas reveals it. He's longing for a love relationship with you. And you need to respond. In fact, I'm going to close in prayer now. And prayer is talking to God. And it's that awkward moment where he's conveyed his love and he's waiting to hear your response. What I say in this prayer really doesn't matter. It's what you say silently in your heart that matters. And God's listening. You can bet he is. That's why he came at Christmas. And for some of you, it is dawning on you for the first time in your life that the objective of Christianity, of life, is a love relationship with God. You never, for some reason, realized that's what he came for. Well, now you know. Are you interested? For some of you in this prayer, for the first time, you're going to say, yeah, I'm interested. Others of us have made that love relationship pledge long ago, and this is a chance for us to reinforce our love for the one who loves us. So let's bow and pray right now. And he's listening. Lord, first of all, can we say (laughs) that you came for us, that you came thoughtfully, strategically to woo us, blows us away, that you'd be so creative in trying to win our hearts. We're flattered. And we hear you. And you want a response? All right, here goes. I say what I believe so many are feeling right now. Yes, you want a love relationship? We want it too. Yes. We'll confess our affection. We don't love you as much as we ought. But God, we want to grow in love for you. And so we say yes. We want to grow to experience what you said in that verse about you making your home with us. We want you to be our constant companion, the one we share life with every day. So come, Lord, let's build a love relationship now, tomorrow, through all eternity. We want what you want. Noel. Merry Christmas, Lord. Thanks for coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.